Is it episode 37? Yes. It is, isn't it? What better way to start it than that? <laughs> episode 37. It is, it is episode 37. It is episode 37. Of, of yeah. the, the Right Act podcast, which is... Uh, which is what you're listening to right now. I'm Stephen Hill. He's Renfrey Deadman. Amazing start, mate. I know. It's not done that 37 times. First gear yet. <laughs> it's just sort of cranking through the the thing. Anyway, um, how you doing, mate? Nice to be here with you uh, yeah, as ever. Yeah, I'm doing good this week. Are you? Yeah, I am as well. Good. Do you know why, Renfrey? I'll tell you. I think I know why. It's because last week was a hellish week to listen to. Just basically battering your brain with really really difficult disgustingly not even heavy just hard music difficult music it was a week that um i think when we started setting up this podcast it was the kind of week that i was like yeah that's exactly what i want to do and then the reality of doing it uh, especially with there being five releases rather than the normal three that we review Mm. was a lot to handle and then you chuck scott walker's the drift on top of it well you did technically i yes. did do that, yeah. <laughs> but uh this week easier because we'll be reviewing new albums from idlewild uh from interama seems funny to think that <laughs> yeah Interama would be easier oh yeah, yeah easy interama lovely it, it felt like a breeze compared to a lot yeah yeah last week and the new ep from blood command and we're gonna be doing damien rice's nine and devil drivers covers album covers album yeah back yeah, on the yeah, show yeah, yeah, yeah. It feels like a few weeks ago that we were chatting covers albums. We've got another one coming up later on in the show. Yeah, we are going to be talking about covers albums quite a bit, yeah. Hooray? (laughs) I'm going to say hooray. I'm going to say hooray. We'll Um, see. uh, I'm also going to say hooray for our lovely buddies, our chums, our compadres over at Musicism. Uh, musicism Musicism.net, go over there. You can can sign up for what they do. And what they do is they make video online tutorial courses for you if you're thinking about becoming a guitarist or even honing your skills as a guitarist. You'll become a better one, as you will as a vocalist or a producer from the good folks at Musicism. It's £9.99 a month, I think, as we say every week. Um, I'm going to stop saying it's £9.99 a month, because if you're listening to it and you haven't signed up yet, then you will know that you're going to get 25% off if you put in Riot in capital letters in the checkout. But what about those new people who haven't heard this yet? Yeah, I'm just assuming that... have to say it every week. Yeah, I'm just assuming that... No one knew is ever going to listen to us. <laughs> We're <laughs> never going to get any. Uh, the numbers do not reflect that. It's fine. We're doing yeah. okay. We're doing um, twenty thousand. It is a week now. Isn't yeah, it? yeah, that's right. Yeah, that was a bit of a good. boast from me. Yeah. Humble, humble brag. <laughs> humble brag. Uh, yeah. um, and also, of course, you know, I shout out our Patreon page, uh, patreon.com forward slash right act podcast. We have been continuing to put out. Uh, top quality content, Renfrey? Yeah, I think we're doing some yeah, top quality content. Top quality content. Some more top quality content is due soon. Yeah, we're going to be talking about um, Uncle's Science Fiction yes. album soon, which I yes. nearly gave to you in trade-off once. Right. Good job that we saved it, and I didn't do that, so that we could do it on Rioters Review. And um, we're going to do Magic Whip by Blur, the last Blur album. Yep. That's another one that we've got coming up for patrons. Yep. If you're not a patron and you're waiting... Sort yourself out. Yeah, it's only a quid and you can get all them like ASAP. A load of people have already heard the Hawkeyes one, which you've probably only just heard. that has gone yeah, up this week. I know. So had Hawkeyes go had up a lot of week. people say good things about that. People, A lot of people not having heard Hawkeyes before and now have been uh, introduced to the brilliance of that band. Yeah. But I mean, I forgot we recorded that. It's a long time. I, it I was a long time. <laughs> yeah, I was really confused as to why people, loads of people were just contacting me going, Hawkeyes are great, aren't they? I was like, yes, they are. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know. <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah, I know, mate. I <laughs> Wait, do know do that. Want? 
Um, so yeah, uh, so we've done Hawkeyes um, a long time ago. So that they'll, for, I, do you know what? I can't even remember. It's so many that have gone through since we started putting them up for free um, uh, that have gone out to the paid The people. freebies coming up are like Frank Turner, typo negative. So um, it feels like a really long time ago. Yeah, capitation. We've motoring through yeah. them. Yeah, yeah, Absolutely yeah. motoring through them. So anyway, uh, go over to, if you want to get them all like now, um, all of the, all of them that we've done are available now at patreon.com forward slash right act podcast. Just give us a quid or a couple of quid or however much you can spare. You can also suggest an album for me and Renfrey to uh, mm. dissect for mm. you mm. and talk about and we will do that. Shall we um, discuss very briefly merch as well? Yeah, we I was going to say. Yeah. Okay, good. Do you want to do that or shall I do it? We have You've merch. You've started now. We have more. merch or Riot Gear as uh, we we definitely came up with that original concept, calling it Riot Gear. Mm. Thanks to the person on Facebook who suggested it. Cheers. Um, uh, yeah, and there's uh, t-shirts, mugs, drawstring bags, uh, badges. Uh, You're doing like old man rat hand. <laughs> yeah, bruv, we've got trying, t-shirts, I'm badges, yeah, <laughs> caps. It's yeah. my old hackneyed way of counting them off in my head. Yeah. But we have lots of shit with Riot Act emblazoned on it, and it looks nice, I think. Emblazoned. Emblazoned. Another new way of saying a word wrong. Hey, um, people who uh, miss, not misquote, people who miss say words mm-hmm. read a lot, apparently. So oh, wow. therefore, I read a lot. Or you're deliberately <laughs> saying words wrong to make yourself seem more intelligent. What than is you it? Actually is are. it? <laughs> All right. Is it emblazoned? Is it emblazoned? Emblazoned. I like emblazoned. Would, you like emblazoned? I like emblazoned. Emblazoned. Mm, I just prefer it. I'm not saying it's correct. I agree. Sounds like you're right. That's how Christopher Walken would say it. Emblazoned. <laughs> You've been emblazoned. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, yeah, go over, give us some money, basically. Now, come on. Um, um, I will also mention, just because I haven't mentioned it for a couple of weeks, uh, I've written, I started writing a new column for Musicism, and this week I'm talking have... about Record Store Day. Oh, cool. Because Record Store Day is coming up on Saturday, isn't it? Is it Saturday? Saturday. Uh, it is this Saturday, uh, as we're recording this, which is tomorrow. If you're listening to this the day that it comes out, fucking oh, hell, time is a tiny construct. Isn't it? <laughs> um, yeah, um, and also yeah. Uh, hopefully that means that the, the 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 special we did about movies with Matt Stocks is out as well, yes. which was a laugh. And at this point, if I go <laughs> better, you'll know what I'm talking about. <laughs> anyway, um, live review. We didn't say so last week. It was so mental that we basically we missed a bunch of stuff, including a couple of gigs that I went to. But you went to some gigs last week. Uh huh. Yeah. Have so little, first of all, talk to me about Memory of Elephants. Okay. Oh, 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 we're going to go in reverse order. That. Yes, I went, we are. I, I went to see. I went to see two gigs in one night um, because yeah. uh, it so transpired that uh, there was an early curfew for the uh, for my first gig. But after the first gig, because we're doing it in reverse for some reason, I went to see Memory of Elephants at the Black. Heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was the launch show for their debut album, Beach Balling. It's been a long time coming. Um, I first saw Memory of Elephants at the first Dark Tangent, so instrumental, yeah, sort of punky uh, post rock type stuff, I guess. But it more Rem-free in the vein. Renfrey Core. Uh, I like that. That's good. Yeah. Um, more in the vein of the more. Uh, I was going to say enthusiastic. The more energetic. Um, and so I watch you from afar, mm. like stuff, then the languid mono type stuff. Yeah. Um, really good, really good energy. I think they played the album from beginning to end, but they certainly did like the last song on that record. Uh, well, we'll talk about it next week because mm-hmm. uh, usually you're the barometer for that because I just go, oh, I like instrumental music, it's good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> that um, <is> true. Just. <laughs> 
just before that, I went to see Idols again. Yeah. Um, very similar, very similar to when I saw them before, really. I guess they're kind of wrapping up this tour for Joy as an act of resistance now. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, as good. Um, they sold out, I mean, their entire tour sold out, I believe. And it's quite a mammoth Small, UK tour. Yeah, but they were playing the Electric Ballroom, were they not? They were. Two nights at the Electric Ballroom? Three nights at the Electric three Ballroom. Three nights at the Electric Ballroom, which is still person-wise, what the Electric Ballroom is about 800 people. Uh, I always thought it was 1,200, but maybe, yeah, let's say, well, let's say it's 1,000. I would be very, very, oh, okay. Let's say yeah, it's, right. you know, but let's that's say still a only a slight step up from the very, very sold out London Forum show, which held about two and a half thousand people. They did sell out all three nights yeah. like that. They though. could have done Brixton, sure. They could have done... Yeah, I reckon they could have done Brixton. And I like the fact that they chose to do multiple nights in a smaller place. It's um, like what the driving did. Yeah, exactly. Mm. I think, um, yeah, and just the energy is brilliant as usual. I mean, the thing that I keep going back to with that band is them playing these songs. It's so nice to see a punk band um, not playing to uh, the converted you know, I yeah. do feel like there's something in their sound which brings in the people who they are singing about and mocking. And um, sometimes those people don't realise that. And I actually quite like that. And I love the, like Joe's such a brilliant like advocate in terms of his message of love and unity and bringing people together and like, but in uh, almost oi oi punk fashion mm. way. Um, and the manner in which he does that is just brilliant. I, I kept, I was standing at the back and just sort of crowd watching a little bit. Not because I was bored, just because I was interested in like who who turns up to an Idols gig. And it does feel like um, they have penetrated the mainstream enough for it to be a bunch of people who might go to Reading and Leeds or V maybe or something yeah. like that. And those may well be some of the people that Joe's singing about. So I think I, I really, I love that aspect of it because, yeah. you know, as great as Minor Threat were, they probably were preaching to the converted. Do you know what I mean? The majority of the time. Mm, yeah, probably. Well, I um, don't know, actually. I mean, that's another... I guess straight edge and stuff. Yeah, but, that's know. another conversation, I think. That's but, another conversation. Uh, yeah. Oh, that's cool. That's um, good. Yeah, they were fantastic as usual. I th- wonder if we'll see them at venues that small again. Will they continue to, um, you know like the temptation to play bigger rooms is gonna is going to be overpowering Definitely. quite soon yeah yeah i would have think that i would I, I don't know how much longer they'll be able to do that mm. it does feel like i mean watching the show i was like i do think this would work at brixton you yeah. know i i did it didn't it didn't i wouldn't have felt as cool and intimate obviously but i i think they are probably capable of playing brixton and it working if that makes sense obviously they're capable of playing it in terms of numbers but i reckon they're capable of pulling it off right so yeah exciting i've still not seen them cheers uh uh i actually now this is kind of a live review because i so i didn't get any gigs this week but the week before we didn't have a chance to talk about this but i thought it was worth talking about because i went to two gigs back to back one of them would not be the sort of gig that we would cover on this show and is not the sort of gig that we cover but i just think it's an interesting counterpoint because i went last friday to go and watch doves uh first gig in nine years Mm. supported by the coral at the Mm. royal albert hall um can you tell me what doves sound like because doves are one of those indie bands that um people who shop at h&m talk about quite a lot 
And I think I get... people probably don't shop at H&M anymore. They probably shop at Burton and Marks and Spencer's <laughs> at this point. Okay. Uh, and they yeah. seem to get very excited about them, but I don't yeah. fully... I can't, I can't, couldn't sing you a Dove song. So I don't know exactly what they yeah, are. Yeah, I mean, I knew, I know a few of them. Um, so Dove's used to be uh, Cold Cut, I think it was. Do you remember Kathy Dennis and Cold Cut had a, a hit in the 80s? I've got it on seven inch single from when I was about nine. They were basically a kind of, they were, uh, they were an electronic band. They were kind of an early rave okay. band in the okay. vein of, you know, Beats International or one of those kind mm-hmm. of uh, early 90s. Like, um, snap <laughs> maybe not snap but uh but they were one of them and then they decided to do indie music because it was oh a right big thing so they kind of gave it all up and started making um sort of glacial anthemic uh indie music does any of that early electronic stuff um no. filter in no okay not in the slightest okay no. um so i will talk about them in a minute but first of all i want to talk about the coral who were unfathomably boring now i <laughs> i used to remember i've got the first coral album I and do. i remember thinking you know because it's kind of i get it's that kind of um scouse uh upbeat kind of 60s um sort of jaunty psychedelic 60s folk pop indie music and i remember thinking they were kind of all right the coral but those songs have aged really badly i mean this is actually this is a kind of um a theme a common theme of the night is those songs have aged really badly and they now in the kind of um the 2019 era they sound as dated as a a kind of bad new metal band from 1999 yeah i can i can imagine really that 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 type of indie music has really aged terribly Mm -hmm. um and you know, people seem to. They, I think that there's an advert on at the moment that uses uh, one of the Coral songs, and I, I you know, I recognise a fair few of the, the songs. But they've got that thing that a, a lot of indie bands, particularly kind of mainstream indie bands, have, where they just don't look excited to be there. Mm. Uh, they just didn't look like interested in the fact that they were at the gig at all. It's like you're playing the Royal Albert Hall. Mm. It's sold out. Mm. Roger Daltrey's introduced you to the stage. Mm. Like although he hates Brexit. No, well, he loves yeah. Brexit. What am I talking he about? He loves Brexit. He loves Brexit. Fucking loves it. Um, maybe that's what they were sad about. Yeah, yeah maybe. <laughs> I think but, that was cool for a bit. There was this annoying kind of, um, there was this annoying sort of apathetic, oh, if I seem really apathetic and like, oh, I'm up here playing songs and I'm finding it really shoegazing. boring. Shoegazing. Yeah, I, yeah guess, but, I guess so. But you know, yeah. that music was, the, when when it was shoegaze, you know, that was the same thing that people, but that music was wild. Whereas this kind of feels, mm, mm, it, was, mm. it was it was wild in it, but it was also kind of droney and dirty and it all kind of fit you know it was all over the place whereas this is sort of poppy and you expect them to be sort of upbeat and jaunty and they just sort of weren't they just sort of mm. stood there so it was, they weren't very good doves right now i'm not a fan of doves um myself i don't really know much about them uh particularly but people were losing their fucking minds when doves came on well like ripping it, out seats and what, throwing them at the stage not quite like that but people <laughs> were screaming were really? like crying were hugging each other. It was like, I. It was what I imagine it to be like. If like, say, My Chemical Romance reformed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Can you mm-hmm, imagine mm-hmm. being there at the first My Chemical Romance gig? Uh, yes um, well yes yes it'll be and you can imagine people's reactions yes, to yes, yes, My Chemical yes, Romance coming yes. back. Uh, it, it was like like that, but just with kind of, sort of scruffy looking forty five year old men. It was. <laughs> 
it was really... which is what my chemical romance will be by the time they come back yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but the thing I've, i i felt with doves now the sort of bands you would compare them to i guess would be Turing breaks athlete um elbow although i re- i rate elbow very very high i think elbow are a really really great band i mm-hmm. really love elbow and i like there's a few like gomez as well actually that first mm-hmm. gomez album is brilliant um snow patrol or is that not right? <laughs> well, it is, but I mean, I feel dirty comparing Snow Patrol to oh. a band like the, those other bands that I mentioned, even though I don't really have much. Sure. I don't think you can compare Snow Patrol and Elbow, for, exa- for example. I think you could argue Snow Patrol are a, a much, a, you know, you could argue if Elbow are the good end of the spectrum, you can yeah, argue that Snow okay. Patrol are right at the Snow Patrol are Creed. <laughs> and elbow on uh, nirvana okay is what i would say right. um uh so yes yeah, so i suppose on, on that level yes yes you can so doves i was like well i'll be interested to see you know it's their first gig back and blah 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 and i did recognize a few of the songs people were going mad for every single song but it was just it was so dull renfrey mm. it was so dull and what struck me about it was that this is where the other gig comes in the night before, I was at the same venue at the Royal Albert Hall to watch Take That. Hello. Right? Yeah. Take That. Who, when I was growing up, I hated Take That. So like, did I. Fucking hate Take That. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, yep. awful, 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 awful. I hate them. All the girls loved it. It was, you know, like, for all the people who didn't like rock music in our year or in our school... They had take that. It was the, the, those were the two things that most people sort of gravitate towards. They were an absolute sensation. Oh, they were. You that. know, they were the biggest band or group, I should say, in this country. Yeah, between ninety one and ninety four, yeah, maybe yeah, for, for such a long time. You know, like if, if, it in felt terms like of, a long time. Oh yeah, it, I mean, it really felt like a long time. But yeah, I suppose. Yeah. In reality, I'm amazed thinking back. It was only three or four years. But yeah, it I felt it was, like yeah, it, it was, was about yeah about four years. I reckon. Yeah. yeah. Um, Anyway, and, you know, those songs were, you just thought, this is, you know, trite, trite boy band crap. Right? The early you know stuff, I mean? particularly. Yeah. Do you remember I the mean, early stuff? when The they were early, like, early, do what you like and all that. Yeah, like really, really rubbish. Like getting their nipples out on, on telly, late yeah. night telly and stuff like, like that. But then, and they did play a bit of that. They played like a million love songs and they played Prey. Um, oh, Prey. Which has aged quite well, actually. But it was when they started doing, like, they did stuff like The Flood. And uh, and patience, and I was amazed that they've basically taken kind of what a band like Doves do and made it sound good. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, <laughs> I think the problem with a lot of those quite kind of glacially bland indie bands who. Who people like, love, like people were loving doves. The sort of people that loved doves would not be seen dead at a take that concert. But yeah. having watched both of them back to back, take that just brought craftsmanship and style and pizzazz mm. to an incredibly dull style of music. Mm. When you listen to their newer stuff, um, it's it's early noughties indie music, mm. but but fun and accessible and you know, and interesting and it's not, and it would be fine. Like, you know, obviously take that aren't making, you can't, there's nothing you go like, that sounds like it could have been lifted straight from hell to the thief. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying that, 
But those bands who were really, you know, the kind of XFM fodder, which is mm. what I, I always thought of Doves and Turing Breaks and those sort of bands. It's just, it's like proper fucking sloppy XFM crap. And a mm. lot of it would, and then when you start getting into the Snow Patrols and, and those sort of bands, um, who else would fit in that category? Um, what's that? Um, well, Awful. Coldplay would be one. Keen. Keen. 100% Keen. Uh, yeah, definitely. What's the dreadful one with the... I there's... fucking hate Keen. Oh I my fucking God. hate Keen. Have you seen the, there's a lineup for High Park this year, which I'm getting... I got post-traumatic stress disorder just from reading the lineup. <laughs> Robbie Williams, Black Eyed Peas, Keen, <laughs> and... Oh, someone else. Fucking awful. Feeder on it as well. It's like, poor Feeder. Oh, Feeder, poor mate. Fucking, poor Feeder. It's my M people or something. It's really... I'm going <laughs> to Google it. I'm going to Google it. Feeder have uh, got a new album coming out. Well, right. we should definitely do that. Oh, yeah. It's on the schedule. I'm, I'm, um, I am I'm. don't know why I'm excited about it, because I shouldn't be, but I'm, I'm still excited. Uh, it's the the teenage fan in me. So the lineup for Robbie Williams at British Summertime, is Robbie Williams, Black Eyed Peas, Keen, Texas. Ooh. That is where I'm going. If I, if I go to hell, <laughs> internal damnation, it is just watching Texas knowing that Keen and the Black Eyed Peas and Robbie Williams are on next for all eternity. I can imagine you strapped up sort of Hannibal Lecter style from Silence of the Lambs just being forced to what like in the middle of just you alone in Hyde Park yeah. in Texas and you just like sing along let's get it started <laughs> oh man if you've got a minute fucking kill me yes that would be me in hell um uh, so anyway, but anyway, but take that with sort of legitimately really great and dubs were really, really boring. Well, something I'd like to bring up about Take That, which not many people really talk about. Are we reviewing Take That on right? Yeah, of course we are. Yeah. Well, you are. I mean, I didn't we go. We did Scott Walker last week. <laughs> What's become of this really show? We really let the side down. Here, well, we're we? 37 episodes in. I mean, we're <laughs> yeah. running out of music. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously that's happening. Um, uh, take That are an anomaly in that we discuss bands coming back after a prolonged absence quite a bit and nine times out of ten they're fucking shocking when mm. they come back or maybe they're lucky enough to release one decent record and then kind of they just sort of coast take that i would wager the majority of their best songs certainly from a songwriting point of view were in the second yeah, half of their career definitely you, rather than the first half you, you've got patience the flood um this uh, could be yeah, shine yeah uh, they started with that. actually the morrison's advert start, uh, start yeah. with the morrison's advert very good <laughs> um always start with the morrison's advert yeah you know like but that's then, you know like you'd go ah, ha, 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 like see a shitty boy band they're just a fucking they put on adverts it's like well the coral their advert is on their one of their songs is on an advert right now i can't remember what the advert what it's for but it's like you know you you haven't really got a leg to stand on like, i think you know that th what happened when take that split up is guitar bands like oasis and everything got so massive that it just kind of changed, completely changed the infrastructure of what pop and stuff is now to, for a little while. Because I guess take so. that and come back and, you know. I mean, was... you did have Spice Girls, didn't you? I, I always thought sort of Spice <laughs> yeah, Girls as the yeah, successor yeah, yeah, to yeah. take that in a, in yeah, a sense. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. And obviously there were loads of math, like, you know, there was the NSYNCs and all those sort of bands. Yeah. But I think as those bands have got older, they've, you know. 
Like the Spice As Girls. they've got older and become more mature, so more mature guitar music has become blander. And I think the two have kind mm. of squelched together. Mm. Mm. So mm. it was an interesting it was an interesting juxtaposition of nights, which I thought would be very, very different, but actually kind of wasn't. Anyway, take that and dove. Take that versus doves. Take that one, doves nil. Did take that have a show? Not really. I mean, apart from them. Not mm. really. They didn't have explosions and stuff. No, what? like they didn't bring. Well, it's only the Royal Albert Hall. It's a kind of quite a minimalist. Sh- yeah, like, it's just, yeah, that's a small show for them. Royal Albert Hall surprisingly small. You see it on telly and it looks massive. Mm. And it's, it's actually five thousand people. Uh, I, I thought it was six, but yeah, okay, maybe, it's five yeah. or six thousand people. Well, when you, know, you think take that big. can sell out, you know, three like nights stadiums. at Wembley Stadium, yeah, yeah, which yeah, is yeah. Oh, yeah. 90, people. Oh, the Royal Albert Hall is an intimate show. Yeah, for that is. That's like seeing take that at the Royal Albert Hall to put it in kind of rock terms would be like seeing um would be like seeing um gojira uh in this room <laughs> we're in a room i reckon four meters by just me and you yeah four meters by four i don't think you could fit gojira in this room yeah. not with their equipment as well no. so it'd be just us two you wouldn't even li- <laughs> bonjour wouldn't even be allowed in that is the equivalent of what I saw. So I'm very lucky, actually. Uh, Let's smell Howard Jones's sweat. <laughs> Howard Jones. Jones. He did the split. Howard Donald did the splits. He's 50. I couldn't do the splits when I was six. That's mental. Like they're in very good shape. And Gary Barlow has got an. He's got a very incredible. When you see him live, you're like, wow, you've actually got a really like. He's very effortless. His voice. Is they were good. They actually were good. Like, I'm not going to lie. They were they were good. Anyway, let's fuck this. Um, fuck this. <laughs> let's do some proper reviews, some proper music. Um, <laughs> let's talk about Idlewild. Uh, Idlewild have a new album that came out last week. It's called Interview Music. It is their eighth album, their first album since 2015's Everything Ever Written. A quick potted history of Idlewild for the uninitiated. Um, as I said, they're a Scottish indie rock band. They started out, uh, I saw Idlewild supporting Deftones and Therapy at the London Astoria mm. in uh, at the start of 1998. They had the Captain EP out at that point. At that point, Idlewild were kind of the, the Scottish shellac or the Scottish Fugazi. I was going to say, I'd say they're quite an abrasive yeah, yeah. Uh, punk Bands. Yeah, yeah, they were, um, and then they sort of became like the the Scottish maybe Nirvana, and then moved on to being like the Scottish REM. I was going to say it's it's REM, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, the sort of Scottish REM, and then for me they became they sort of disappeared and became the Scottish Madeline McCann. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know where they went, um, but they're back now. They're <laughs> so... they oh Christ! <laughs> they did um, they did technically go on hiatus yeah. after um, their sixth album, mm. uh, Post Electric Blues, yeah. which you're uh, not familiar with. I've not listened to the last few. N- no one has. Uh, no one listened to Post Electric Blues, um, and um, then they came back. Or oh, five years later, mm. with. Everything, Everything ever written. written. Yeah. Which um, I, again, I've not heard. Ah, okay. Um, I was really excited when Idlewild came back because I, I really... Mm. Uh, that sort of the period between their second and fifth album, I would say, those four records, I really... Like the REM period, predominantly. So Hope is Important. Hope is Important. 100 Broken Windows. 100 Broken Windows. Um, um, the big, the remote part. The remote part. And the other one. Warnings, Promises. Yeah. And actually, I would say Make Another World as well. I'd even go right up to Make Another World because okay. that's I'm got some that one. great stuff on it. Um, are all really, really good, in my opinion. And they're very kind of... I think a lot of it is to do with um, 
Roddy Wumble. Wumble? Wumble? Wumble. Wumble, um, who is their frontman. But he has a very poetic um, style of Mm. uh, singing in that, I mean, the lyric sheets for most Idlewild albums are probably pages and pages and pages long because he says a lot and he... You know, he he writes in a very. It's re- It's weird with him because sometimes what he says says sounds really profound and interesting, and sometimes it sounds a little bit wanky. And mm. I think I think it varies from album to album, if I'm honest. From song to song. Uh, yes, yeah. Sometimes maybe it does. Not, not certainly in this album, I think from song mm. to song. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Ma- yeah, maybe not from album to album. Maybe not from song to song when you go back to the earlier part of his yeah. career. I always thought, you know. Uh, he straddles the line he's very interesting yeah yeah right. yeah he's he's very unique lyrically certainly mm-hmm. and i'd rather that if he's you know if you're going to come out with the occasional wanky phrase from time to time i'd rather you had a unique kind of approach to it than yeah. than you know not um, so i've always quite liked him um but yes predominantly down to him they have a very you kind of you know it's out of world as soon as he starts singing really don't yeah you? i think it. that has i mean this was one of the things having not listened to them for a very very long time i like that kind of um uh that scottish twang that he had yeah. in his voice he's not got it as much as simon neil no uh, no 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 but he's really got it but it's still there you but can it's hear still it. definitely yeah. there but it's dulled a lot mm-hmm. over mm-hmm. the years i yep. think and i yep. think on interview music it's much more less kind of a Scottish twang than it's more American English. <sighs> uh, that's good. one of their songs. Very good. That's one. Um, and um, but yeah, but I do Very think good. there's 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 uh, yeah there's a kind of tr- a bit of a transatlantic twang to him now. Even though he he used to sound like a Scottish person attempting to sound a bit American, now he sounds like a person who is trying to not sound American, occasionally sounding a bit Scottish. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Very good. Uh, (laughs) Yes. It's not a problem. Yes. It's just his voice has changed. Yeah. His voice has changed. He's got on. But he still sounds like, he still sounds like Roddy Wumble. I mean, yeah, he does. He sounds like he's got the same sort of tone to his voice and stuff. And he's got the same uh, cadence. Cadences. And uh, and he's still got some interesting lyrics. You can still tell it's him. But he does sound quite different. And I Mm, think coming back to Idlewild after a very, very long time, as I have on this record, I think they sound very different, actually. I was going to ask you, um, how have... Because I've I've heard every single Idlewild album except for Post Electric Blues. So mm-hmm. I've kind of stayed... I stayed on board, not always loving what they do. I have to say, Everything Ever Written, uh, you know, got them quite, quite good critical notices and was lauded yeah. quite well. It really went over my head. I really... I tried and tried and tried and wanted to like it and I... It just, yeah, it just never clicked with me. Mm. So, how have they changed from Morning's Promises, the last record you heard? Yeah, I mean, I don't remember much about that other than it's not quite as good as the remote part. So, how have they changed since the early 2000s to now musically? Well, I think there was still, even though it was very kind of REM and I guess post, not post hardcore and not post rock post-punk post-punk angular that kind of angular yeah wiry um guitar parts that they used to have which then got sort of replaced by big chorus not replaced but kind of enhanced by big choruses like on the remote part this is quite interesting because um it sounds more modern i think for a start yeah it sounds weirdly sounds more modern and more um 
uh, 80s mm. than they've sounded from when I used to listen to them. But sounding 80s almost sounds modern these days, doesn't it? Well, it does, yeah. It's I mean, there's, they're, they're kind of, at parts, they're quite, you, it goes quite U2, but it goes kind of last 15 years U2, I think. <laughs> so not okay. particularly good U2. Um, it's got a touch of that sort of quite boring modern production that we mm. talk about a lot that I struggle with. A lot of it does, a lot of it does go over my head. Mm. But they managed to pull the odd bit off with, with good songs. Well, that's the thing. That's the one thing that I will say. What I do admire about this album and Idleworld as a whole is they're eight albums in now, almost 25 years into their career. And they are still experimenting. Mm. You know, it is, there are some quite, I mean, I don't think all the experiments come off, if I'm totally honest, but I would much rather a band attempt something and fail than a band just put yeah. the same thing over and over again. That's true. And there are some really odd, like the title track, Interview Music, has this really bizarre discordant kind of um, guitar solo, which sounds like it should be in a totally different song playing against a piano or sort of piano keyboard solo which again sounds like it should be playing in a totally different song and 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 they sort of merge together yeah. and I, I i i don't actually think it really works but i respect them trying stuff like that it's almost like there's a few parts where i mean i think um the first song dream variations yeah really 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 reminds me of echo and the Bunnymen. right like cool. it really reminds me of echo and the Bunnymen, which i really like that, that's a good track that piano part yeah. that piano part with that kind of discord discordant bass and guitar parts in the background yeah it's well post-punk and i think um all, yes. all these words as well is another one that, that's got that that works it's really good um yeah there's a song like um like talking about the kind of the discordant piano and the a mixing or discord guitar part and mixing that with that piano and stuff. There's bits on this, which almost go like, like a 1975 album that sound like that modern, I think mm. maybe not in terms of what they're actually doing musically, but certainly mm. in terms of the sheen that it has on it. Like, um, there is a place for everything. It's mm-hmm. a song, which I feel like I should hate because it really, really, really sounds like just another one of those very, very modern 21 pilots. y uh, 1975 mm-hmm. style band but I kind of do like it because I think yeah. it's just got a little bit more of interest to it yeah. and ironically I think the best thing about this record and it's something which I've never even considered from Idlewild before my favourite bits of Idlewild previously were always the weird little wiry guitar parts yeah. and Roddy Woomble right mm. the best thing about this record for me personally is the rhythm section and particularly the bass playing oh interesting the bass playing is got loads of pop and it seems to drive most of the songs. And that feels like, like for me, I mean, I don't know, you have to uh, tell me if you feel that it's true about their last few records, but certainly from when I used to remember them, I never really remembered giving much thought to Idlewild as a rhythm section. No, um, it's a <coughs> it's a new bassist. Um, mm. I don't know if that makes a difference since their last well, record. Well, it seems to. Um, uh, I, I, didn't, I didn't specifically notice that this time around, but mm. I don't disagree with you at the same time. I understand what you're saying, definitely. I think um, I think what I like, what I admire about this record is it doesn't stay in the same place very often. No. I mean, I even mean, the three songs at the start that we mentioned are all yeah. completely different. From one yeah. And well, even just taking Dream Variations, which is the opening track. I mean, it flits between sort of jagged post-punk, as you said, mm. and psychedelic pop mm. in just like in moments. And I think that is 
I think that's very cool and I like that and I admire it. I think I think I keep sort of saying I admire this album rather than I like it or love it because at the end of the day, I mean, truthfully, the first time I heard it the whole way through, sat down, listened to it, was relatively excited to hear it because I, I really do like Idlewild quite a lot. Um, I really, I hated it the first time I heard it. Did you really? Yeah, I really wow. hated it. Um, I didn't hate it. I have to say, okay, I didn't hate it. I actually quite liked the first few tracks, particularly right. when I was like, "Man, this sounds like Echo and the Bunny Men." This mm. sounds like, mm. you know. But then I like that stuff. So yeah, yeah. Well, it 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 started to reveal itself to me a bit more, and I started to like it more um, from track from listen th- <laughs> three or four. You know, mm. that's when it started to really penetrate. And there there are bits in it. You mentioned all these words earlier. I think one of the, my favourite bits on the whole album is the transition between all these words and the next track, which is You Wear It Secondhand. Yeah. And there's basically, there's a few points on the record where they do this, where they just kind of um, go, it, the song ends in the middle of the track mm-hmm. and they'll go into an ethereal almost, on another record it might be an interlude, but it goes into an ethereal sort of passage which links the two tracks together and it does it really, you know, the melody for the next song just sort of comes yeah, out cool, of the ether. Stuff, I yeah. really like that. Mm. Like, in in a weird way, I like that stuff more than I like a lot of the songs on the right. record. Yeah. How very um, you. How very me, yeah, yeah. yeah. I know that's very me. Um, but I, I just think overall it's... It's it's thirteen tracks. It's fifty-two. Yeah, it's too well, long. Well, it is too long. It is too long. Um, it is too long. Um, I think there's a lot of filler on it. Um, well, I think it's. I mean, it, it does. It it's definitely too long. And we've had conversations recently about albums that have been too long, where we go, well, what would you take out, and how would you take it out, and blah blah blah. I think this does a great job of just being like, just get rid of the last three songs. Because the last few songs, I mean, that last song on it, which is called, I can't remember what it's called off the top of my head. It's called Lake, uh, Lake Martinez. It's called. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fucking boring. It's mm. rubbish. It's mm-hmm. just, it sounds like a shitty, you know, just a, it's a shitty ballad. Like, basically, it's just a shitty ballad. Um, there's that song Miracles, which sounds, which is just really weird. They lose the plot on that song. Yeah. Because that sounds like... It's really, really throwaway, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and it's like this kind of Beach Boys. It's trying to be, it feels like it's trying to be like Weezer or the Beach Boys or like a kind of a rock song, but a really kind of summery, like the sort of thing Bob Mould might do, but it's got like saxophone yeah. in it. Um, they don't sound um, convinced of their convictions on that yeah. song. They don't sound... They it don't sounds s- like Reef Cross with the Supernaturals. <laughs> Oh, well, okay. Do you remember the Supernaturals? I do. Um, you better smile, smile. Rubbish. <laughs> Sounds like that. It's okay. awful. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, and there's that song Mount Analog, which gets a bit weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which Mount. has got lots of sort of, um, again, it's got a real 1975, very, right. very clean mm-hmm. pretense. And then it's almost got that kind of public broadcasting services, uh, you know, clips of old analog quotes of people yeah and then they stick in like i say sticking some sacks at the end of it and it's like yeah what are you doing i think i think that song's <coughs> i mean that song really reminds me of sergeant pepper beatles but not anywhere <coughs> near as well you know no. done <laughs> obviously i mean obviously that's quite a high watermark i do appreciate <laughs> that but you know like it, it's striving to be something absolutely amazing and it's just kind of b-sidey you yeah. know it's not the best. It's not. No, it's not no. great. So they could, 
I think they there's thirteen songs. If it was nine songs, I think this would be a pretty good album. Yeah, I, I yeah, I think I it think, wouldn't be great, but it would be a pretty good album. Yeah, I, I, I think, I think it's all right. And like I say, I admire it. And um, they could be doing the remote part, part four by now, which would be really the remote. Don't get me wrong, the remote part's a fucking great record. Actually, just talking about Idlewild now. I just want to listen to the remote part. <laughs> like, that's the problem, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's the, the problem thing. is that when you, you know, if this made me, I actually went and listened to 100 Broken Windows and I listened to the remote part. Yeah. I was like, oh, these albums are fucking great. Fucking and what great. this album has done is it made me go, oh, I really like Idlewild. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it hasn't made me go, I really like this album. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, and also, you know, this is, we've talked about this before as well, when like this is the second album that they've released since their comeback. Yeah. And I do actually feel like, generally this is a weaker version of everything ever written and as as i said before earlier on everything ever written didn't really hit me either oh so um i think it's okay it's okay i think it's okay i mean to be honest with you <clears throat> at this point uh dream variations um all these words uh there's a place for everything um uh, yeah that's the main ones. I'd throw you where it's second hand in. I quite like that. I, I don't... I'm actually not as keen on that as... Okay, fair um, enough. You know, I think I almost didn't notice is all right as well, but there's like... Do you like saying things twice? Because mm. that, 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 that's the closest the band... That is the closest the band get to hearkening back to their old sound. Yeah. I don't think it does sound like <laughs> no. old Idlewild, but it's, it's, it's the the closest they even try to yeah but, and it, yeah. I, that it, I think you listen to that and it makes you go okay well you're probably doing the right thing by trying to do because it's quite yeah. hard to continue yeah. to make the type of music they were making back then yeah. at their age and yeah. stuff and it's all you know it's fine this album is fine well, yeah it's fine it's absolutely there's nothing bad badly badly wrong about it no 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 um which is kind of sounds like a massive insult and it's not meant to be one but you know that's just that's just kind of how I feel about it, unfortunately. It's all right. If it was yeah. an REM album, it would be up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, that's uh, kicking the balls for right away. Um, Up's all right. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, it's all right. It's, it's fine. fine. Yeah, but, um, it's fine. Anyway, it is, as we said, out now. It probably came out last week. So if you are a fan, you've almost certainly listened to it by mm. now, I would have thought. But uh, yeah, Interview Music by Idlewild is out now. And we're going to move on, Renfrey. Uh, last week, we, we said, you know, what a difficult week it was. And I feel like this is something which feels like a kind of a belch that has been sitting throw, in our, in our, back from last yeah, week. In our on our diaphragm for a week because <laughs> this is the new album from Inter Armour. It's called Sulfur English. It's their fourth studio album from the post metal Mavericks. Um, you've pulled a face. There, I pulled a it? face. Um, one of those albums you're including there is is one song, although the song is forty five minutes long. That is still counts. All right, fine, fine. Well, what is it if it's not? An well, album? I think it's there. Well, it's. It's so a song. It's a long single, isn't it? <laughs> no, 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 no. All right, fine. So what's um, what's Dope Smoker? What's Jerusalem by Sleep? Is that all an album? right? All right, yeah. Go on, go on, carry on. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so anyway, it is the fourth album. I'm not having that. It is the fourth album from Interama. Um, who are a band who I don't really listen to you know you've got those bands where you go oh I've heard them and yes. I've learned them and I, but yes. I don't really know like I don't have an album of theirs that I listen to a lot 
Uh, I don't have a record that I'm kind of is. They don't feel like a band that I have a lot of emotional attachment to. Yes, I would say the same thing. I would say I would say more or less the same thing. Um, I really uh, I've known of them for a while, but I really noticed people um, going in on their last record, Paradise Gallows, in a big way. Um, I remember listening to Paradise Gallows and going and 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 saying this is clearly a good record but kind of in a style of music which i don't immediately normally gravitate to um style of music being sort of i'd say inter armor a bit of doom mixed with a bit of sludge mixed with a bit of uh psychedelic stuff actually yeah oh, i'm glad you said that because that's mm. uh that's a very very good i'm glad you picked on the psychedelics because um well, I would, I, I would say that my favourite part of the bands is is are those three elements, but in reverse order. So the psychedelic elements of them are my favourite, yeah. followed by the sludge, followed by the doom. Um, but yes, yes. Um, I really like this record. Oh, cool. Okay. I think it's really good. Uh, it does feel like, it almost feels like fun after last week. <laughs> I think as we said before, it does almost feel like fun. Um, I always kind of thought of Inter, Inter Armour as a band who just delight in uh the slow build the super 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 duper slow build yeah and although you know these songs are lengthy um, they are yeah there, there are you know there's some 12 minute two, yeah, songs on two there. songs that tip over the 10 minute plus mark um there's a nine minute long song you know you've got seven two seven minute long songs one eight minute long song um it's a long it's a long record and it's uh, 64 minutes yeah it? and it's um but it's but the good it's a, but it's a varied record and i think when you throw in psychedelic and doom and sludge and i would also throw in there is a kind of malevolent arcane uh kind of almost symphonic baroque black metal um feel to this record yeah yeah i don't yeah, think yeah. i think when when i say black metal people are immediately going to go ah i know what black metal sounds like but it's not really the sound of black metal it's the feel of black metal that feel of like real evil mm-hmm. that black metal can conjure up. i think that comes from the vocals quite a lot yeah. a little bit yeah, yeah. Uh, but yes i know what you mean there aren't many kind of um i don't know blast beat moments or anything like that no but no, no. But, but, but it's got that you know when when black metal is really just like oh yeah, it's yeah, got yeah, yeah. kind of, like, but it's quite baroque as well. I mean, we yeah. were talking about. <clears throat> there's a song in it called "Howling Lands," and um, uh, and uh, that has got a oh, proper, yes. a proper sort of Scott Walker. We were talking about the drift last week, and we were saying how you know that kind of deep baritone, like oh, that can sound really kind of haunting. Yeah, and I love that they've put that and they've made this sort of very sludgy doomy heavy music and then they've also done it with this kind of quite haunting like oh like chanting mm-hmm. and, it, and it reminds mm-hmm. me of parts of i mean again this is what i'm when we're not to wang on about the drift again but when you listen to this and you go cool that's really fucking heavy isn't it and it's like well actually and that's yeah. that and you can feel like that's kind of i feel like that maybe not inspired by but it's certainly like i feel like it references or is of is has been kind of conjured from a similar place mm-hmm. as the drift mm-hmm. but the drift is a thousand times more terrifying mm. than this even though this is this is great you mm. know it's really good and i love those bits where they really do um really do lean on that kind of super deep baritone howling kind of um kind of remorseful croony sound it sounds really really fucking cool and the fact that they can 
go into all those other places. I mean, you mentioned the psychedelic thing. Uh, yeah. The best bit on the record is those kind of Pink Floydy tones on Blood on the Lupines. Yes. I yes. love that. Yes. Yeah. I think the... Um, I... I like this record. I don't think I like it as much as you, but I do like it. Mm. Um, I think for me, it takes a little while to get going, personally. Um, <laughs> I think the middle is brilliant, which mm. is pri- primarily where a lot of the psychedelic work comes in. And it kind of, um, it the, the the I suppose the song that the entire album centers around is that, um, what did, what's the title again? What, the one? Uh, the, the 12 minute. The, uh, the, uh, the Atavis Meridian. Yeah, the Atavis yeah. Meridian. Um, that is... That's a very good song. That's amazing. And, and that, that has got some of the best, that build up, the drums, the drumming, the riff, is brilliant. like yeah, how yeah, that yeah. comes in. Yeah. That is not, because you think of Doom and you think it's going to go boom. Yes. Boom. But, but that really, and it, and it changes every tattoo, every kind of beat of it. It changes rhythm and it's, it's really cool. Yeah. It's really, really it's, cool. It's, that song. it's very good. I think, um, stillness leads into that song and that's where that kind of baritone psychedelic thing begins it also reminded me of cult leader um quite a bit cult leaders mellower songs yeah um i I, you know personally i prefer what cult leader are doing but that's more because they're doing a kind of more sort of black and hardcore thing which Mm. is more my bag than doomy sort of stuff but um but there are definitely (coughs) similarities you know Mm. i would say um and yeah there's 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 three songs um i think i think it is stillness uh the atavis atavis meridian the atavis meridian and howling lands uh which i think are brilliant Mm. on this album um and then and then by the end of it it kind of dips again for me because i i think what the title track yeah and 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 uh, it's difficult to ascertain whether it dips in quality or whether it's just me getting run yeah because it's like I'm 55 minutes into this now and I think it might be the latter if I'm honest but I I do think it takes a a few tracks to get going the first time where I really go okay this is this is actually really good is Citadel's opening riff which is the third track I I would agree I would agree with you actually I do Um, think the first couple of tracks are not the best yeah yeah it's a bit kind of i mean the first track is technically an intro track it's mm. like two minutes long but then it's a wax and see isn't it which is around seven yeah. and a half minutes That's or something like that well, yeah. and it you know it's all right but it could have done with trimming i feel personally mm. um and i think it could have been a really <laughs> powerful really incredible 45 minute record potentially yeah i would say three weeks running we've had an album which the weakest songs bookend the album yeah 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 because yeah. i i, I, I really I, I like i think the avatis meridian is fucking brilliant and the yeah. way it starts is just so great but i is a is like that is a bludgeoning and and brilliant and you, again like you don't get i'm not a massive sort of doom sludge guy like i like no. a lot of the i like a lot of the kind of earlier um louisiana bands i like a few of them and I really liked Iron Monkey, but that's obviously that's a different sort of thing to this. But yeah. I don't like listening to it that much. But there's been two, this and the Mammoth Wee Wizard Bastard album, mm. two albums that come out this year in that world that I think have been fucking great. Oh, that's really, cool. Really, really fucking great. And I do think um, 
because both of them have something else other than just going, oh, yeah, yeah, uh, uh, that you know, and yeah, Sulfur English is not as good. I mean, that's nearly 12 minutes long, and it, that is quite patience testing, yeah, especially after. I mean, I really think Blood on the Lupines has got this, it's like this wicked mixture of, you know, like I say, Pink Floyd. It's it's, it's Dave Gilmore guitar tone, yeah, over yeah. this kind of crush and it's like oh that mm-hmm. really foreboding like oh. well the the old things that you're talking about <clears throat> remind me of um the sort of ritualistic nat- nature of uh, the waste of space orchestra yeah as well that we were reviewing last week yep. um so there's lots of really cool elements that come together in this and i know there's going to be a lot of doom slash sludge fans who are listening to this who you know inter armor are considered one of the best bands in that genre at the moment so yeah. there's probably kind of a uh an element of us both admitting that it's not really our thing Mm. um but i can see that this is a quality record it just it just i don't think i'm ever gonna like properly penetrate the whole thing because and i felt exactly the same about paradise gallows i have to say like i could tell the quality was really high there were a few tracks on it which i was like that is really good Mm. um if i took my favorite tracks from paradise gallows and my favorite tracks from sulfur english and put them together i'd have a really phenomenal album in my opinion yeah um but um yeah i I just i i don't stay with it for the whole thing and and i I just that whole thing i mean doom just it does bore me after a while you know and 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 i totally agree with you it's the bookends that bore me the middle is really fantastic yeah um but yeah, it's the bookends where I get a bit. But then yeah. there's going to be a lot of people that disagree with us. I'm, I yeah, imagine. maybe. But I mean, I've got to be honest with you. I mean, I definitely will keep stick with this album because I think like the middle bit is so good. I would. Do you know what I will say? I want to see them live again because I I, I did mention them actually um, when I went to see Deaf Heaven live. They supported. Uh, yes, and live i mean admittedly they were you know they played like a 40 minute set or something like that so you know like three songs but um they did not bore me i i actually really liked them live right. i thought they were That's really cool. fantastic so maybe there's an element of needing to see it live um but yeah i i i am tempted to stick with it and i may well do i mean there's a there's a lot of stuff <laughs> that mm. we need to go through so but um yeah, I, th- I think it's a very good... I mean, I can see it getting on end of year lists, yeah. just like Paradise Gallows did. I'm um, not sure. Sh- I, I think because it's not been a great year, so it's not completely out of the question that this would get in the kind of higher end of my albums of the year, but I would be pretty surprised if it does get... I don't like it that much. I think I would pick the Mammoth Weed Wizard Buster album over this. I would as well. Yeah. Uh, but of it's really two. good, but I, I really like it. And there's there's three I think if we're talking about the best songs of the year, then certainly the Avatist Meridian and Blood and the Lupines are definitely in the shout for like two yeah. absolutely fucking top draw songs. I do agree with that actually. I I would put the stillness in there as well. I yeah, think stillness, yeah, stillness is, is really great. good. Well, um and it, and even Howling Lands I think is mm-hmm. fucking wicked as well. The so tribal like, drumming on that <clears throat> song yeah. is just fucking awesome. Yeah, it's really really it's good. really really good. So it is good and if you are a fan of that sort of thing I find it very difficult to uh, conceive that you won't enjoy Sulfur English by Interama which is out now right last one before we get on to trade-off comes from blood command the album sorry the ep it's a very brief 15 minute ep called return of the arsonist which comes from everyone's well my favorite norwegian hardcore punk disco metalers uh <laughs> i don't know if they're everyone else's but they're, they're certainly mine um 
They, they describe themselves as death, uh, death pop, don't they? Yeah, death pop. Yeah, death yeah. pop. Yeah. Uh, Renfrey, have we ever spoken about, properly spoken about, Blood Commands? Oh, it must have done on must this podcast. Um, I, review, I, I reviewed them. Uh, I reviewed them when they supported Rolla Tomati. Yes, I reviewed them at uh, the 2000 Trees as well. Uh huh. Yeah. And both times. Actually, no, you said these thought they were good live. I was really... Well, I I said I'd heard... I'd never seen them at that right. point. And I'd heard lots of bad things about Blood Command Live. And yeah, I thought they were... Yeah, I've never seen them be great. I'm a, it's yeah. getting annoying, actually, because I've seen them sort of four times. I've only seen them be... I've seen them be good, but I've never seen them be really great. And I feel like when you listen to their music, they should be great. Yes. Live. Well, I don't know if it was because my expectations were sufficiently lowered or what, but I, I thought they were fantastic at that Rolo gig, so... Alright, well, good for you. Um, <laughs> uh, so anyway... Uh, You've always got to take that. That's all right. Yeah, Return of the Arsonist. Um, as I said, very, very brief 15-minute EP, six tracks. Um, this is predictably great. And yeah. I'd say probably the most punk, straightforward thing that they've done, as far as I'm aware. Yeah, probably. Um, although my favourite my favorite part of it is, wh- is when they're not the the least straight ahead part of it, which is um, oh I can't remember what track it is, but it's called Live Right or Go Straight to Hell. Oh yeah, uh, which is a little bit more. Now I don't know this for a fact. I was trying to find this out. There's been a lot of confusing information about this EP mm-hmm. um, behind the scene look, um, but uh, the version I have in brackets it says that that it's song a is a vinyl exclusive. exclusive. <laughs> um, I believe so yes. So. And I did do find it quite ironic that, in my opinion, the best song on the EP is only available on the on the vinyl, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, in a sense, um, this is being released the day before Record Store Day, so I suppose that's quite apt. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, that that song's a little bit more. I always, I almost want to say they dip a toe into like proggier territories there, but like for one song and one song only yeah. kind of thing. And I mean, it's more expansive, I suppose, is what I'm trying to say. Which is, I mean, it's only it's less than two. To give you an idea of Renfrey saying it's more proggy, <laughs> it is under two minutes that song. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, don't yeah. expect it to be like Code in Cambria. Well, it's or, not inter- or Interarmor like, or any, yeah. anything. Don't even expect it to be less than Jake. To be honest. It's, <laughs> It's uh, it's great. I mean, you're right. It's I think great. it's more expansive than Gainesville Rock City. Come yeah, on. possibly. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I mean, there's a song like Ritual Knife. I love. That's fifty four seconds. Great, life. Yeah. Fifty four seconds. Life. Fifty four seconds. Long. Yeah. Um, and it's great. Yeah. This is just. This is the first time I've got a Blood Command, um, out release since yeah. I've been a fan of theirs, and I've just gone. Ah, oh, it kind of sounds like you, but just gone. <laughs> like squished yeah. together yeah yeah, really, yeah all done really really quickly i i kind of i kind of agree that like in a way this is um <coughs> in a way this is the hardest record to release this week because uh to, to really to review this week because it's another great blood command release yeah um it's just distilled into 15 minutes mm. um and the stuff that there is to talk about it i'm not sure i mean it's it's a conceptual uh sequel of sorts, uh, oh, okay. To their um, "Hand Us the Alpha Male" EP, which came out in 2011, I haven't heard "Hand Us the Alpha Male," so I can't really comment on that. I, actually, I haven't. Supposedly, such the, a big fan. Clearly, <laughs> it's specifically the opening track. Now, this is what the press release said, right? Specifically, the opening track "Summon the Ars- Arsonists" is uh, a sequel, 
But uh, on my track listing, the first track is uh, Don't Strike a Match, Use the Lighter. Yeah, uh, but that's a weird one, isn't it? Because again, that's under two minutes long and it actually doesn't even start straight away. No. There's like a big no. old electronic sort of yeah, build up yeah, to yeah, it. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. It fits a lot in this record, but then Blood Command tend to fit a lot in, even, yeah, even, yeah, yeah. even on their full length. I mean, their full length albums are usually... They're under 40 minutes usually, aren't they? 35, yeah. usually between 35 and 40 minutes long. Yeah. And, and, and this... they fit a lot of stuff into a short amount of time, which I think is something we both like and get off on quite yeah, a lot. Yeah, definitely. You, know? well, you think like um, from sort of Funeral Beach, which is the album that I really, really, really love. Like I think Cult Drugs is great as well, but mm. I really love Funeral Beach. Mm. And like March of the Swan Elite and um, uh, Walls at the Door yeah. are both, they do loads in both of those songs and yeah. they... They don't. They're less. That's less than th- probably less than three minutes between those two songs. Maybe mm-hmm. it's a little bit more. Um, yeah, it's probably like just about th- that. Those two songs put together are probably the, the length of a normal pop song, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they're two songs, and each one of them has loads of other shit going on, and it feels like they just made sort of six of them. Although there are songs that are three minutes long. There's a couple of these that are they're a little bit longer, but it's just yeah, it's it's like a really cool, concise, quick fifteen minute adrenaline shot. This this EP. Yeah. And, yeah. and actually, I mean, don't strike him actually use a lighter into Return of the Arsonist with all the weird extra stuff because it's actually called um, O two dot return dot of dot the dot arsonist dot seven two o p dot hdtv dot x two six four. That's actually what it's called. So that's meant to represent. Um not that I would ever do something like this, but if one to say were to, uh, I don't know, pirate a television series or something like that, that would represent that would look like um a, an episode in a tv series that's right. pirated yeah the, the file name for yeah. it okay so that is what the song because i was like oh that's weird that, that song's been yeah. downloaded in this one i was like oh it's actually what that it's is actually, the title actually <laughs> yeah. called um well i'm starting to question that though because well, no because... no mate i'm looking at it now on the actual internet with it, oh okay uh, okay 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 listing, uh and there it is there you go fantastic okay so cool. that is that is the name of it cool cool um it's not a fuck up because I no, did think no. it was maybe, um, but yeah, but but even like those first two tracks, they kind of blend into each other, like, and it, it does feel yeah. like it just goes wow, and it could or it's weird because it's obviously six really short, concise, brilliant songs, but it also could just be one song. Yes, it could. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it could be well, like like I say, it's a conceptual album of sorts. I mean, I'm not sure if you would sort of get that from. I'm, I'm not sure if you get what the concept is um, uh-huh. from just listening to it. I think you probably need to read around it yeah. a bit more. But it does feel conceptual in that it it feels like very much one piece. Mm. You know? Mm. Um, yeah, for sure. I really like. I really like. I really like it. But then I don't. I, I don't dislike anything blood commander i don't think they're a really really good band yeah really like good. a really good band and i think they're the sort of band that you would want i think it's a shame that they're not massive yeah i think if they'd come out in say like didn't be a fucking stuck record but a band like that coming out in the 90s mm-hmm. they would have been massive yeah they would, they have, would been have been huge well also whilst there are heavier abrasive elements of them the majority of their melodies and this is going to sound like a weird thing coming from you and me, but the majority of their melodies are quite pop punk esque. Yeah, there is a pop punk definitely feel to them. They, they are. They're like you know when I I think when I first reviewed them for Metal Hammer, I said they they it's like 
Cavell attack cross with Paramore. Yeah, 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 I can see that. And 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 I think I think we like it because the abrasive guitars and you know a, a little bit of screaming. I mean, it is predominantly sung. Would you say maybe yeah. it's like thirty seventy or something yeah. like that? You know, but it, it, it's 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 it, it itches it scratches the the heavy itch for me enough. Yeah, and the punk kind of melodies are done so well that i like them being there you know it's yeah. not it's not like oh i just like this yeah i mean I, like we were we went big on pagan last year who i think yeah. are very very good that album's really good but i think you know again that you listen to this and you just go it's a similar thing but blood command just do it like a way higher standard I yeah think. i i really like pagan Me and too. i think they are great and there are undeniable parallels with blood command which is probably frustrating for them by now but <laughs> you know they 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 basically sound like blood command but with a bit more of a black metal influence mm. um and both fantastic bands but yeah if i had to take one over the other it would be blood command for me yeah. like they, they're just a fantastic fantastic band i think i prefer uh, i think cult drugs is my favorite blood command is it? album actually but it's very very close between funeral beach and cult oh, drugs funeral beach is, is it's amazing. brilliant they're both brilliant any anywho uh that was return of the arsonist by blood command and that is that's it already for the old review section, Renfrey. Done, done and done. Unbelievable. It's quick, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so let's move on to trade-off. Now we're going to start with what I gave you. It's been a while since uh, you gave me something which is more interesting than what I gave you. So <laughs> uh, let's start with my pick first. Last week I gave you Devil Drivers, Outlaws Till the End, Volume 1, uh, which is their their eighth studio album. It is their eighth studio album because... yeah. You know, it's it's a studio album, uh, which was released last year, the sixth of July, two thousand and eighteen. Feels like a long time ago, that doesn't it? The sixth of July, two thousand eighteen. Yes. So, so much has happened, Renfrey. <laughs> we weren't even a thing back then. No, can't we? We, 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 we were just gearing up to to launch at that yeah, point. So time. we never got a chance to review this, which is, uh, as I said, Devil Driver's eighth studio album. It is a covers album. Um, featuring many, many guests. But the idea, uh, I actually interviewed Des Fafara from Devil Driver about for this album, record, cool for this record, and uh, he talked to me about his love of kind of country music, country and western music, outlaw country music. Very, very interesting. Des Fafara is a is a lovely man and an articulate man and an interesting man and a hugely passionate man. And I have to say that interview was a lot of. Not, not even fun. I mean, it was really nice to talk to Des. It's always nice to talk to Des, but it wasn't. It was a lot of fun. It was uh, one of the most genuinely insightful interviews that I learned a lot about that I've ever done. Cool. Because I know a bit about country music. Yeah. But not I'd a lot. I'd be the same. Mm. I know. And he, he, talked, he taught me a lot about it. So um, before we start talking about that, let's talk about actual Devil Driver, because we had this chat last week. Yeah. You, Renfrey, as a man who hates metalcore and yeah. pop punk and hates just obvious stuff, you don't strike me as the sort of person that would be down with Devil Driver's particular brand of um, uh, starchy potato and uh, <laughs> thick-cut, <laughs> rare meat-esque metal. Um, I'm... I am and I'm. I am and I am. I, 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 I am and I am not. I am what I am! <laughs> <laughs> um... So, yes, I confessed to you off mic last week that I actually own four Devil Driver albums. Wow. Which really uh, stunned you. Yeah. Um, and and then I, I quickly 
caveated it by saying that you know almost all of them were bought in like sales for about three quid each or something yeah. like that still own them <laughs> still own them yeah, yeah yeah well i'm happy to admit it and you know i think pray for villains is a decent record i don't listen to it very much pray but for villains is a great record it's it's a it's a very good record it's yeah, a very it good record um i i, I think um, are Devil Driver a metalcore band? I just see them. No, as a, they're not they're a metalcore band. Groove a, metal band. Yeah, yeah. But the reason why you're saying that is because they're ve- they are a meat and potatoes band, and that doesn't yeah, tend like to be kind of what I'm into. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think if I ever do want to go to meat and potatoes, mm. Devil Driver's a good place to yeah. go because I think the qu- quality of whilst it's not immediately my kind of thing. The quality of it is very good. If you just want to, like, I don't know, bang your head or whatever. Yeah. Devil Driver are very good for that, you know. Um, I don't listen to their albums very often, but occasionally I want to scratch that itch and Devil Driver's what I go to for it. Mm. Uh, so this was an album which I remember hearing about the concept, mm. having a little sort of giggle to myself about it, I suppose, <laughs> and then just going, okay, well, maybe I'll check that out one day and then not uh, doing so. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think it's a great record, but I was pleasantly surprised yeah. by what this is. Mm. Um, so they have got 12 outlaw country tracks country and western tracks basically outlaw country is just basically like country written by loonies yeah well actual country i think i think there's a thing in america at the moment where country west has really been overtaken by horrible pop like bubblegum pop and and in order to distinguish between those so johnny cash hank williams um mel haggard um, Dwight Yoakam Dwight Yoakam yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, David Allen Coe yeah. those sort of people yeah. of the 12 songs on this I reckon I knew four of right. them already which would be uh, the both both the Johnny Cash songs so the man mm-hmm. comes around and Ghost Riders in the sky yeah uh, Outlaw Man which is the Eagles and yep. Whiskey River which is Willie Nelson you didn't know Copperhead Road no I didn't okay no I didn't um, and really like they have you know they have devil drivered them up like these songs aren't uh immediately recognizable as the originals in any way shape or form you know no. they they are they, they they are not straight covers um and broadly it sounds like devil driver songs but with a bit of slide guitar on it mm. really mm. um so i mean if, on one hand i respect the fact that they have actually changed the songs and on the other hand, I'm like, but you've applied the same formula to all of them, more or less. They are Devil Driver. They are Devil Driver, yeah. And I, and I suppose <laughs> you know I, mean? I suppose they're never going to do much more than that. And I yeah. suppose I shouldn't have expected any more than that. But like, when it works, it works surprisingly well. Um, yeah, I think so. There's also a, a list of names who are oh, on the album. The guests on it are ridiculous. Which are fucking great. You know, yeah. you got Randy Blythe, you got Hank Williams III, you got John Carter Cash, Lee Ving, you got Lee Ving, you got Wednesday Thirteen, you got Brock Lindau from yeah. uh, Thick Six Crazy Fist, you got Burton C. Bell from yes. Fear Factory. Um, you know what I mean? You 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 got Mark Morton. 
Um, Mark Morton doing vocals from Lamb of God. We talked about Mark Morton um, yeah. singing, actually singing Whiskey River by Willie Nelson. Oh, I didn't realise Along that. with Randy Blythe. That's cool. Yeah. I think, um, you know, whilst Des clearly loves this music and is trying to pay homage to it, um, you can also tell that Devil Driver are really having fun in the studio with it. And I think it's quite infectious. Yeah. Um, there are points which I did think were really... I really didn't like I, I, I maybe because it's the song I'm most familiar with but the cover of the band comes around I found absolutely diabolical I yeah it. I, it's odd that you'd like I actually played that for some people who like Johnny Cash and they right. were like what is this right and I said it's when the man comes around and they were like by and I was like by Devil Driver but originally by Johnny Cash and they were like it's not Johnny Cash I was like it is this is the yeah, man yeah, comes yeah, around yeah, and they were yeah. like no it isn't it doesn't sound anything like it at all mm. um yeah, it's not the best that. It doesn't really yeah. lend it. It's weird because that song doesn't really lend itself to... No. But then I imagine many of them don't. Like, you know, we haven't heard many of the originals of this. No. I've, I still haven't heard many of the originals of this. Yeah. So a lot of them are coming along. I mean, stuff like Hank Williams III, I think, and David Allen Coe, uh, I think will work better just as full-on ragers because those artists kind of... Their music kind of works in that medium anyway. Um like dad's like dad's gonna kill me by richard thompson so richard thompson is the sort of is the kind of wild card in this really isn't it because he's like an english folk musician as opposed to an an american country musician didn't actually know that but okay yeah. i mean the, i guess the eagles would sort of be considered a bit of a wild yes card yes yes pick as well but it is called outlaw man so i yeah. can sort of understand it but yeah but richard thompson um is uh like yeah an english folk musician uh -huh. as opposed to a um an american country and western musician um he was in um he was in fairport convention richard thompson oh right okay that makes sense mm. that's interesting so yeah but i think they changed that one a little bit I, that was the one where i was like it's, it's burton c bell and there's a yeah. bit of it's a bit more um straight's not really the word but i don't think they don't go fully for the jugular like they do on the rest of them mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. okay and i think that sort of works mm -hmm. sort of I'm not, I feel like I'm trying to convince myself that I think it works the reason I brought this in is because I saw the review I mean it got reviewed in Kerrang and it got fucking slated it got 1k in Kerrang really it got slated yeah no slated. I don't think it's 1k <clears> at all and you know and I know a lot of people and I think a lot of country fans particularly have heard about it and gone fucking you don't you're some stupid metal band you don't have the right to cover you know Hank Williams and stuff and Johnny Cash and, and artists like that and I, one of the reasons I picked this is one because it surprised me because I didn't you know the last couple of Devil Driver albums have not have been a bit of a slog I'm a bit like you really yeah I think up to I quite like Beast I know a lot of people sort of switched off post Pray for Villains and they're like that's the point I think you know they had a little run Devil Driver with like Last Kind Words Pray for Villains and Beast I think are all really good mm -hmm. and um uh and and yeah and um and then this came out the last few I can't remember what the last few are called but trust no one was the one before this one I think yeah which is not great no and um and so I thought this was going to be a load of old bum yeah so did I and actually I don't think it's a load of old bum I think there's some you know it's again probably a couple of three songs too long um, no, I've got something to say about that in a minute but yeah <laughs> but uh, but yeah it's cool I think it's cool and why I wanted to bring it in really is because Covers albums. What's better, this or the Teal album? Oh. Uh, 
I have more fun listening to the Teal album. Okay, we'll take your arrogant fun out of it. <laughs> Although, actually, just going off topic ever so slightly, I would say I have more fun listening. I had more fun listening to this than I had listening to Trust No One, the last Devil. <coughs> so mm. I think this is actually a cool thing for them to do. Mm. Um, I will come back to your question because this okay. is something that I wanted to bring up. Go on. I think devil driver the perfect way to have released this is a couple of things a they should have released it as an ep rather yeah. than an lp or two then done a and then, 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 then done a do a second yeah considering it's volume one yeah. yeah but um you know six songs 23 minutes 24 minutes i think it would have been great and mm. b the manner in which weezer surprise dropped the teal album i think if devil had driver had done that with this i think it would have got a better reaction because obviously when when stuff drops now you know you usually get a single that you can hear first but i think people would have kind of balked at the idea of devil driver doing a country and western album or yeah. doing country and western covers i should say it's not country and western album mm. um and then if they'd been able to hear it immediately they might have gone oh well fair play that's much better than i thought it was going to be um and you know this thing that we keep coming back to with the teal album yeah the 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 thing that i admired the most about it was like i said as a as a marketing strategy i thought it was really very clever you know very like genius almost especially thinking about it now you know we've released a real we're we're about to release a really shy album (laughs) well well yeah i mean it's something even worse you know there's going to be uh uh, teal albums being re-released for record store day on a teal vinyl what a waste of time for everyone yeah um which is better i mean this is better this is better well because this has definitely had more thought going to it than than the teal album yeah and the fact that we're even going oh i wonder and i'm well i'm not you are about (laughs) devil driver and Weezer, you think about what Weezer used to mean. If you go back yeah. 15 years yeah, yeah, and, what yeah. you, and you go, oh, the guy from... If you go back to both of us on the day the Green album came out and went, you know, um, uh, Chamber Music by Cold Chambers just come out. Mm. Uh, and you know that you've now got the Green album, which has got like basically three for three, three fucking great yep. records by this band. Yep. In 15 years time, they're both... That guy, the singer from Cold Chamber, and that, that band Weezer, they're both going to release covers albums. And you are going to be going, oh, I wonder, Mark, I don't know which one's better out of the two of them. I think that says a lot about well, both of those artists' career. Well, I think, I think, yeah, yeah I understand what you're saying. like, is a much more well-respected artist now than he was back then. Certainly. Fucking fair play to him for that. Certainly around the release of Chamber Music, which let's let's not kid ourselves was fucking Terrible. diabolical oh yeah appalling but you know they got a bit of a kick in but devil driver are a kind of fairly well established and well liked and in some cases loved band in metal yeah yeah and then you got weezer poor old weezer yeah anyway, let's not make this about weezer <laughs> i well <laughs> i mean just to just uh, like i think i don't know the originals uh of most of these songs they don't sound like this no 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 i i appreciate that and i appreciate that that more thought and work has been put into um making yeah devil drivering these songs uh 
<laughs> I I do think it's been done in quite a formulaic way, but you know it has it ha- has been they're the worst formulaic in. band, really. Aren't yeah, they? they are. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, they're yeah. doing what they can do with those songs. Yeah, at least. Yeah. but i guess maybe i enjoy listening to the teal album more because those songs and something that you won't deny is that those songs are brilliant you'd just rather hear the originals yeah 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 i mean i feel like i'm i'm hearing so i put on a playlist on spotify the other day of like 90s dance when i was at work and there was something called there's there's something called something called the 90s all-stars which basically are a band who cover so i size baby came on and i was like this doesn't sound right it just it sounds exactly the same but it doesn't quite it sounds a little bit off and it was because it wasn't the vanilla ice original it was the 90s dudes or whatever they're called and they're just some like random spotify collective that cover songs that they don't have on spotify or whatever yeah and i was like it sounds exactly the same but you just sit there going it's not quite right and it's got absolutely do you know what i mean it's like it's a karaoke mime version of the original song. And that's what the Teal album is. And that's, at least this is not that. True, but but this <laughs> this but this was released as the eighth record by Devil Driver and there was a marketing push behind it and there was PR that was kind of driven to put it out as their next record. I think the the just dropping a record is this record better than the Teal album? Yeah, it probably is. But the 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 coolness of what Weezer did with the Teal album, I, I I like I said like I said then, I wish every cover album covers album was released in that manner yeah. from now on. You know, I really yeah. really love that, and I think whether you like it or not, the you're Teal clinging album, on hard to that though. I th- That's a hell of yes. a lot to cling on to. Like when you put music on. How often do you go? Oh well, this doesn't really count, as it. Do you know what I mean? You're that. That's a that's a big asterisk. That's a big like proviso that you're sticking on the end of that. Depends. I don't know. I, when I listen to In Rainbows, I still think of the way that that was released. You know, like the pay yeah, but, what you can, pay what you want thing. And yeah, okay, but you, but In Rainbows is. What's your beef with In Rainbows? I don't have a beef with In Rainbows. Exactly. It's fucking brilliant. Well, exactly. But... <laughs> What's the fucking point? What's the problem? So it doesn't matter. You might still think about it, but you don't go, this doesn't count as music. I'm like, just I'm love... just saying the context is still there. I, I, I'm i not saying it's going to be the same for the TR album, <laughs> you know, in 10 years' time. Probably won't no, be. No, no, I think, no. I think no. we've talked about it so much that I probably will recall the way the TR <laughs> yeah. to be honest, because I, it will remind me of an angry Stephen Hill. But... <laughs> That is you know, what it should be. That, that, that is that what it reminds me. Fucking Wikipedia page. Of Every time I see that cover, I think of you. Yeah. <laughs> and now, and oh. I'm just like, oh, for fuck's sake. It was all dirty. Being that. <laughs> anyway, I think this is good. It's got some. Uh, you got got a favourite on here? Um, I really enjoy. Um, I mean, favourite is a bit of a weird one because, in a way, I don't think it's good. But <laughs> Ghost Riders in the Sky. Um, hearing Des Fafar go, yeah, yeah, like it's this really bizarre way. It just it made me laugh out loud. It was just fucking hilarious, and they are having so much fun with that. So I mean, maybe you know, maybe people you know who love the original might hate it, but I just really enjoyed it. Ra- is Randy Blythe on that track as well? Um, on, on what goes right on the sky? Mm. Yes, he is. Yeah, yes. yeah, I really like, and I I thought he was, and John um, Carter Cash. Oh, right. So Johnny Cash's little boys, isn't it? There you go. Um, and they recorded that at Johnny Cash's ranch. 
Oh, did they? And he got shown right, yeah. That's cool. That's mm. cool. So, I mean, he clearly... Well, you interviewed him, so you'll know this, but he clearly does have a lot of love and time and respect for this music. Yeah, oh my God, he loves it. Yeah. He fucking loves it. He absolutely loves it. And he talked to me... I spoke to him for about an hour and a half. I had 20 minutes with him and I spoke to him for an hour and a half because he gave me the fucking whole, not just about the song, but he started talking to me about, because I said to him right from the bat, I was like, look, Des, I've listened to the album, but I haven't, I don't really know that much about these artists, particularly apart from, you know, like Johnny Cash Mm -hmm. and the Eagles. I know a bit about Willie Nelson. I know a little bit about Richard Thompson. I've heard some Steve Earle, but a lot of them I don't, you know, I don't know loads about. So he was talking to me about George Jones. I mean, my favourite is actually If Drinking Don't Kill Me, Her Memory Will, um, uh-huh. featuring Wednesday 13, uh-huh. which is the, the George Jones song. And he was talking to me about George Jones and he was like, the de- you know, the- when we were talking a few weeks ago about, you know, <laughs> when musicians used to be really, really out of control. Yep. Like he's a dude apparently who was really, really, really out of control. Like okay. a real fucking madman. Okay. So, um, yeah, anyway, but I... I think it's decent. We await volume two with bated breath, don't we? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's decent. I, um, you know, I would await volume two with more bated breath if this was six songs rather than 12. And I don't think it needs to be a full album. Yeah, that's true. Length. But, um, do you, do you think it would have got one K if it had more of a surprise release thing behind it? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know maybe who knows we, i don't know who reviewed it so no anyway that's outlaws till the end volume one by devil driver you gave me nine by damien rice uh oh. which is his second album it was released on the 3rd of november 2006 obviously his previous album O or yep. zero i think it's O. I think it's O, isn't it mm. his previous album O, his debut album O, um was a massive massive smash hit mm-hmm. in 2003? 2004? That sounds about right. 2003 or four, um, yeah. With like the Blower's Daughter, obviously, everyone will know from everything. Uh, it was in Closer uh, quite a lot, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, in Closer. Uh, Cannonball. Cannonball. Yeah. There's a, a massive one. Um, I bought that album when it came out, like many, many, many people. Um, What's your thoughts on O then? I think it's really good. Mm. I think, you know, it's a really, really good record. Yeah. Not good it. enough to make me... Hold on, let me rephrase that. I was going to say it's not good enough to make me ever want to uh, ever listen to this. That's not true. It was good enough to make me want to listen to this. It became omnipresent to the point where I went, ah, uh, and I stopped kind of listening to this stuff oh, a lot. man, that's the thing. Okay, so the, the <clears throat> thing that I always tell people about Damien Rice who are not familiar with his album stuff, the singles, so The Blower's Daughter and Cannonball are the two least interesting songs on that record by quite a long way, yeah, I would say. Um, you know, there's a song called uh, Cheers Darling, which is like this really weird jazz, l- lounge jazz kind of number about him being really fucking bitter about an ex. Um, have you ever seen Damien Rice live? No. Live, he, I don't know if he still does, but he used to have a roadie come on stage who would be dressed up in like a tux, bring him a entire bottle of wine yeah i remember you saying this and he would uh consume the entire bottle in the five and a half minute track and just progressively pretend or i suppose get drunker and drunker Mm. um and more bitter and more pissed uh and that would that would often be the last song that he that he would do yeah um then there's a song like eskimo which i was about to say eskimo oh 
like which just which starts out as like a quite normal singer songwritery type tune and then a fucking opera singer comes in at the end it sounds fucking amazing you know it's the last thing you would expect and i mean this is going to sound like a weird comparison but damien rice reminds me in a way of like a lot of interesting like post-hardcore bands and stuff uh like blood command i suppose where you don't know what's going to happen next we were talking about um uh, uh josh Skog- Skoggin from yeah, the we chariot yeah. and um and norma jean and and 68 and those bands had that feeling as well where like you you didn't know what what was going to come next you didn't know what was going to come in next obviously with damien rice it's done in a far less kind of abrasive, s- abrasive scabrious yeah. way but you know i define anyone to um listen to eskimo for the first time and then go well at the end of this track an opera singer is going to come in yeah. <laughs> at the end do you know what i mean certainly it has been it's been a long time since i listened to O, yeah. and i didn't listen re-listen to it in the build-up to this right. but from what i remember about O, i think you're right i remember going oh that's not just what what i thought it was going to be but a lot of it was kind of yeah when you mentioned him being bitter on um cheers darling on cheers darling you know that i think on the album from my memory from memory serves it was more melancholic and kind of uh, self-loathing than um yes than than kind of angry and and although those parts when it does change they felt more melodic and subtle than than uh than many of those sort of singer songwriters at the time uh they were definitely there for sure Mm -hmm. and i did think like this is a much more interesting album then you know it i i thought he would have fit in well with someone like elliot smith yep absolutely uh, who is great um but having not listened to damien rice for a long time and I kind of wondered where he'd been as well. Do you know what I mean? Because that was such a massive song, um, such a massive album. And, you know... Because this was released... Uh, 2002, and this came out, the O came out, and, and 2006, this came out. Right, so it's four years later. So there's okay. a four-year gap. Even bigger gap between this and his third album, but yeah. Right, okay. Mm. Um, now, 2002, you've got Dido, David Gray. This sort of thing's becoming very, very popular and he's become this huge smash fucking you know that album was yeah it was absolutely huge now i didn't even really know i think i remember this album coming out but i don't remember there being that much fanfare about it and i guess just it came out the same day as saturday night wrists did it deftones yeah okay i remember a being those two albums for months and months and months right yeah so that's interesting um but it did feel like it went under the radar a little bit is that fair to say it certainly didn't blow up in the manner that O did no um and i definitely think the general consensus is O is a better record i disagree with that consensus for me nine is the best thing damien rice has done um i think it's an absolutely beautiful masterpiece well then let's talk about it shall we yes um I it was not what I was expecting it to be. Okay, so what were you expecting it to be? I was expecting it to be similar to O, and I did expect to be it to be sort of melancholic, minimalist, mostly acoustic, wistful kind of, um, you know, Irish singer songwritery folk music. Mm-hmm. What I kind of expected it to be. Half of what half of that's true. It's definitely melancholic, mostly. 
It's quite angry. It's fucking angry. <laughs> it's actually, yeah. quite aggressive record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah it's much more aggressive than yep. I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Um, what's it? Rootless tree. Rootless tree. Yeah. The chorus uh, is "fuck you." Yeah. Fuck, like, you. fuck you. Fuck, fuck you. you and everything we've been through, or something mm. like that. Yeah. Um, song. Didn't that expect song. that, uh, and I didn't expect it to have as full instrumentation. Mm. So Damien Rice, from what I remembered, was always, oh, it's Damien Rice and he's got a guitar. And occasionally other people will come in and other things will come out and there'll be a harmonica or a, yeah. a lute. Or, yeah, <laughs> yeah, know, yeah. Like, there was a collective whatever. around him. Yeah, when around. I've seen him live a couple of times. I've seen him just with an acoustic <laughs> guitar. Right. But when I've seen him with other musicians, there's been seven or eight musicians on stage, I would mm. say. Mm. So, yeah. And this feels like a band. Yeah. A lot of points in this record, it yep. feels like a band. Yeah. Um, uh, the animals are gone. Goes yeah. almost, almost. I want to say it's like him doing OK Computer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's, see that. there's, you know, or you know, I mentioned Elbow earlier. If you got going to uh, build Rocket Boys by Elbow, which I think is their sort of nicest, broadest sounding record. Right. They're kind of their fullest sounding record, I should say. This album feels a lot fuller than I thought it was going to. Um, it also, to me. And it's funny because I saw the NME review calling it kind of Ikea rock. Uh, really? Yeah, and giving it four out of ten. Um, yeah. Okay. 2006. Who do you reckon was on the front cover of the NME in 2006? Razor Light? Probably. Yeah. 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 Fucking yeah, hell. You, you can, All right. You can talk about bland rock music. <laughs> <though>. um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, but it does, but that's the thing is it, it, this doesn't feel like a bland singer songwriter or even really a kind of just a straight ahead singer songwriter in any way to me but what i, it, I think what, the closest it gets to straight ahead singer songwriter is probably me my oak and i um yeah. which is a beautiful like great song I'm, I'm but but that's the closest to sort of three chords and the truth it gets and yeah. but that's but it actually that actually breaks up the album quite well because the rest of it is so grand and sweeping and like massive basically. what i'm interested in about this record more than anything i think is the fact that someone could have such a huge hit, such a massive record and two such massive singles and run so far in the opposite direction from those singles. Yeah. Which is essentially what this album has done. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, again, I guess 2006, so James Blunt, You're Beautiful, would have been out around this time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, these, the, the, it was, and, you know, as I mentioned, back, people like David Gray, and uh, I guess Frank Turner started getting well, not really big around here, did he? Not big. No. Frank would have yeah just started, started doing solo yeah, stuff, probably not. But certainly the thirst for you know sort of damaged boys with acoustic guitars mm-hmm. on their own was or was a thing mm-hmm. at this point. Mm-hmm. And for him to have two huge hits and to wait four years to follow them up and to follow them up with this. Mm-hmm. I think is fucking so great. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I was agree. Just, I listened to it and I was like, with that content, like I'm annoyed that I didn't do it here at the time, mm. Mm. and I'm annoyed that I didn't know more people who were kind of really into this thing, that that sort of thing. Who? Because I I just imagine the sort of people who would have bought O off the back of seeing Closer, or off the back of hearing Cannonball. And I've got this and just gone, it's noisy, mm-hmm. it's abrasive at times, it's really too quiet and then 
The dynamics are crazy. Yeah. Post-rock-esque yeah. dynamics. And it you know. swears loads and he's really fucking angry. He's not sad. He's fucking angry yeah. at this. Yeah. He's yeah. furious. You know, it's all sung through gritted teeth. Well, I mean, so even when it's really sort of beautiful and quiet and melancholic, there's an anger. So I think lyrically, my favourite song is probably Accidental Babies which seems to be kind of like recalling a, um, I suppose like a three-way affair, I guess. And the sheer uh, shock of some of the lyrics in that. So the chorus is basically, um, do you come together every time you're with him? Yeah, it's really like, whoa. You don't don't hear that with, you know, like you say, it's not like this is, it's not, it's not a big rock song. Nope. It's a little sort of pretty quite it's a six minute piano ballad it's him on mm. and a piano um yeah. but when i say ballad is i mean ballad suggests a love song this is a song about a relationship that's gone sour and that person is now with someone else and they're they're absolutely bitter and you know um like do you brush your teeth before you kiss do you miss do you miss my smell you know um it's so it, it, it's just so in your face and so shocking. Mm. I, I I think that is an amazing song and so brave as well. Like incredibly brave to admit to feeling those things and yeah. being in that kind of loser position. I mean, we were talking last week about periphery and I said, Ooh. you know... <laughs> wasn't expecting a periphery. No, no, no. But we were talking <laughs> about periphery and I was saying, this is periphery, turn around and go, nah. Mm-hmm. don't care mm, don't okay. care if yeah. you like don't care if you like us don't care mm. don't care like whole world don't care mainstream don't care I don't really need to play your game we're going to do what we want to do and i was and i and i thought you know not only is the periphery album great i i like that i did think that you know i think we spoke about it and i was like oh, it's a shame that they didn't you know because they've never really had their big moment but for someone who has just had this massive moment damon rice could have cemented himself as a huge superstar in the mid noughties he could have become Ed Sheeran big. Yeah. He could have done. Yeah. He yeah. definitely could have done. Because <clears throat> there was that little gap. You know, when you think about how many records Dido and David Gray and people like that were selling at that point. It was what it's an open this was a fucking open goal for Damien yeah. Rice. Yeah. This was an open goal five yards out he's just got to write you've just got to write another one of those yeah you know crystalline melancholic sad sounding guitar ballads well well, i think he did but chose not to put them on the record oh right okay um because there's a b-sides in between those two records there's a b-side there is i wouldn't say there i wouldn't say those songs are on that b-sides i mean not only is there a b-sides if you go on to youtube and just type, I don't know, Damien Rice unreleased material. You would just, just because the guy hasn't, he's only released three records in, mm. since 2002. Um, and in total, those three records have 28 songs on them. Um, but he's written a ridiculous amount of stuff that hasn't actually seen the light of day and is only actually played live. And some of those songs you hear them once and they're in your head in a cannonball sense, but he just mm. clearly wasn't interested in going that route yeah. at all. And yeah. and that is, 
that's pretty cool, I think. Mm. I think that's really cool. I mean, I suppose, you know, to have, you can sort of go, wow, well, you know, to have the balls to do it or whatever, you could, I, I don't know. It's, um, yeah, it's certainly very, very interesting that, um, that, that he managed to, not even managed to, but he, that he decided, because imagine, this is the point where record labels still would have been pressuring you. We need a single. We needed this. We need that. There you go. You can <laughs> fucking definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. What? So the singles on this were like nine, uh, nine crimes. The first track. Yeah, I suppose it's not the worst. Well, single. it's but fucking like ruthless tree. Nine crimes is fucking miserable. Yeah, it's so. really miserable. Yeah, but at least it's sort of single esque as opposed to ruthless tree, which is fuck you, fuck you, fuck yeah. You. Like that was the second single. I mean, the dude just was like, nah, fuck you. I'm, you're not having what you want. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, it's a great attitude. Yeah, yeah. I think um, I, I, I always will have immense amount of respect for Damien Rice. And, and it is, I thought O was brilliant, but it was this record particularly that cemented it for me. And yeah. um, I, I I do think, I didn't, I didn't realise about that NME review, four out of 10. I think that is absolutely shocking that they would say that this is, what do they say? Bland's. Ikea. Ikea. Fucking nonsense. Um, if you if you heard Rootless Tree come out in the, the speakers in Ikea, you would stop what you were doing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, of course you would, yeah. Um, but um, I know it, it wasn't as well received because I think a lot of people and a large part of his audience were expecting O Part 2 yeah. and they didn't get it. Um, but I always... I, I think this album... I was about to say I think this album is comfortably better than O. Maybe not comfortably better, but it, it for me it is it is definitely the better record. From listening to it this week, I certainly like, I liked O. I thought it was good. I thought it was good. Certainly good for a type of music which I can either love or hate, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I did like it. Um, but listening to it this week, I'm far more interested in coming back and listening to this record than I am listening to O. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you what as well, I've just looked at um, uh, 10 times, pl- O, oh, 10 times platinum in Ireland, four times platinum in the UK, gold in the US. This record did go platinum in the UK, went platinum in the UK. So that okay. is still a big, and it, you know, it was number one in Ireland, um, got it peaked at number four in the UK. So obviously people were waiting for it, but, I think when the singles came out, it must have maybe must have been like a total slapdown. I do remember on the tour that he did. So I saw him at Bristol Academy, which on this record, which uh, Bristol Academy, 1500 capacity on that same tour, he did Wembley Arena, which is 12,000 capacity. That's mental. Yeah. Isn't that? Ins- and I remember kind of, I think I was between, I think I was between London and Bristol at the time. So I basically had the choice. I was like, well, why the fuck would I go and see him at Wembley Arena if I can see him in a venue which is literally a tenth of the size? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I recall that. And and I, I can't imagine what that Wembley Arena gig would have been like because it's so, it's like the quiet bits are really quiet life, really quiet. Yeah. Um, he was often just playing cannonball um unmiked so you know uh which is another interesting thing to do you know it, it will be one of the last songs he does but he just makes it so intimate that like 
you have to really strain to hear it um he's done that a few times when i've seen him mm. um but yeah he 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 takes his own artistic path rather than the path that's going to get him the most commercial kind of interest or whatever and that's usually the kind of artist that we like to talk about on this. Definitely. And I think there will probably be people, possibly be people listening to this who are going, Damien Rice? Yeah. Why are you talking about Damien Rice? And I know that fucking... Sorry, he's another one of those Ed Sheeran, bloody James Blunt, fucking rubbish singer-songwriter. Mm. You know, mm. what's his name? What's the, the ginger-haired one who was in American Idiot? Awful. What's that guy? Oh, Newton Faulkner. Oh, yeah. Yeah. One of those cunts, Jack Jones, one of those, oh. Jack Johnson, one of those mm. fucking idiots. But he's not. He's no, not he really all. isn't. He's nothing like those people. He really isn't. Mm. Um, I think, I, I talked about accidental babies earlier. I mean, accidental babies I personally find far more shocking than any, um, you know, quote unquote shock rockers or anything like that have done yeah. in the last 20 years or so. Yeah. Um, they say that like music's, it's really difficult to be shocked by music now and stuff like that. And generally I agree with that, but yeah. I do think that the one thing that can provoke shock in people still is very well um, put together lyrics. <laughs> and, yeah. and there is something so naked <laughs> and raw about accidental babies mm-hmm. um, that I think it still does have that power. One thing I feel like it's essential to talk about, I don't really think you can do a chat about either of Damien's first two albums without talking about Lisa Hannigan, um, who is the, uh, well, the female vocalist on this record. She's good. She's good. She's really good. Do you want to leave it at that? (laughs) Well, no, I mean, I don't really know much about her, but I do know that she, I mean, she feels like a very, very perfect accompaniment. Yeah, she was, she was, um, she was only on the first two records and I, I mean, I don't know exactly what happened, but I believe they had a falling out and she's since gone on to have a solo career and Lisa's stuff, um, solo is good, but it's far more along that line of like, I don't want to say cookie cutter song and singer songwriter stuff, but it's just, it is, you know, she does the record every couple of years. They're okay. They're quite nice. She's got a really nice voice and all that sort of thing. And Damien Rice followed this album up something like eight years later with an album called My Favourite Faded Fantasy, mm. which is good. I mean, again, it's still quite weird and odd. I think the first single from that album was nine and a half minutes long. So he's still not playing the game in any way, shape or form, yeah. but it's a big step down from yeah. uh, 0 and 9. Um, Feels like a maverick. Like I didn't really know that much about Damien Rice, but now when you say those sort of things, it's like, oh, you know, it's you know, you just assume that if someone picks up an acoustic guitar and they write nice acoustic guitar songs, they can't be mavericks and they can't be interested mm-hmm. that's just that's not true you can get them in every genre there's always going to be one or two and that's why i think you know you don't don't want to be beholden to a single genre do you, you just want to find exactly. the interesting people in every single genre whether it be damien rice or whether it be take that i think that's what we're trying to do <laughs> that's what we're trying to do take that are the interesting boy band aren't oh, they yeah. uh, do, do you understand more why i uh wanted him to be in the singer songwriter um, I do, yeah, I do. I mean, I think he was in some. You got some fucking serious competition in that. Of course, you know I mean? of course, of course. I mean, course, I was going to say actually, talking about like shocking lyrics, you could. We, we talked about murder ballads by Nick Cave, yeah, yep, and yep. Uh, yep. Nick Cave kind of did a similar thing, but he did it with, you know, more swearing. 
Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> definitely. Yeah, uh, yeah. But yeah, but when you're, I mean, I, I think this is great, but I still think there's a, you've got three albums um, in a sort of 18 year period mm-hmm. up against someone like David Bowie. Or no, PJ sure, Harvey sure, or sure. Okay, well, I'm not saying, I'm not saying he should there. have got in, but no, you, no, no. you can understand my argument for him. more. Yeah, for now. sure. I can definitely yeah. understand the argument for him. And certainly for this millennium, mm-hmm. he feels like one of the more, um, uh, interesting artists, the more kind of creative artists who have come out from from that period. So Damn. yes, that was uh, nine, not oh, that was <laughs> nine by Damien Rice. But O oh, is definitely worth listening to. Absolutely. Anyway. Yeah. Um, next week, Renfrey, what you got for me? Uh what have you got for me? Well, I, I asked you first. I'm trying to figure out if I'm giving you a big album or a small album. Okay, well, I've got something fairly big for you. And okay. I think it's sort of interesting because we, um, as I mentioned at the top of the show, we're going to be doing Magic Whip by Blur on Rioters Review. And listening to that made me go, where's Graham Coxon? So I thought, where is Graham Coxon? So next week, if you haven't heard it, I'm going to give you Graham Coxon's Happiness in Magazines. I have not heard Happiness in Magazines. Okay, I can I do that. I figured you wouldn't have done um okay i'm gonna give you something totally different in that case i'm going to give you your lucky god that i cannot reach you by down i go oh don't know what that is (laughs) good okay well down i go um your lucky god that i cannot reach you whatever you just said (laughs) uh and i've got uh, happiness in magazines by graham coxon so we'll be able to be talking about a bit about blur and and all what happened with them uh all right thanks very much for listening we appreciate that we'll be back next week um go over to musicism.net to get your courses 25 percent off if you put right in the checkout and uh we'll be back next week with you remfrey hello i'm gonna go to roadburn i'm going to roadburn roadburn you're gonna be seeing all the things that little old i'm gonna be seeing uh, sleep emma ruth rundle cave in which is the band i'm by far most interested in uh, seeing yeah, are you upset yeah, about that i'm pretty upset yeah. they're playing london on friday this friday yeah as in this friday yes this, are they yes i didn't know that how no i did know that they're Is playing the ball run yeah bosk old man gloom and cave that'll be a fucking amazing gig but all three of those bands are playing Rayburn as well uh yeah, well, twin temple done. um uh Oh, Marissa Nadler loads of fucking amazing bands okay, so it's going to be great so you'll be talking about Roadburn next week and it's well I was going to say old um, uh, matey boy Thomas Lindbergh has um, put it all together for you hasn't he Is <laughs> he's put it all together for me <laughs> yeah he has he's, he's curated Lindy Bindy Bergy Wergy uh, I've just called him I imagine, anyway. I imagine I'll see out the gates I think they're actually on at the same time as something else I really want to see but I can't remember right, that, that's the way of Roadburn that's the way of Roadburn exactly see you mates bye